If you don't mind standing for just a moment, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verses 3 through 5 is where we'll be this evening. The Bible says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all, our, all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. You may be seated. Um, I share with you that I do believe that one of the most important things that we can do is grow in our Christian faith. One of the things my wife and I do every morning is we get together and we read the Bible together. And, uh, and if we miss that, I've even called her from here because I'd be in a hurry to get out or whatever. I'd call her from home or call her from the church at home and we would read together the scriptures. And I just believe it's so important to even just read the Bible. And so if nothing else, make sure you get your reading in. But then there's a prayer time. And I do believe in praying, but I believe in personal prayer time. And I believe in corporate prayer, but I believe there's a time to pray. But there's a time to study. And you need to grow in your Christian faith. You're not going to get everything you need from a message on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a uh, Sunday morning or even a Sunday school class. You have to put forth effort into anything that you do. If you're going to be better at it, you need to know more about it. And so I believe growth is important in our lives. And this type of growth is not just a physical kind of growing or uh, in size and shape, but in wisdom as well. You get into the Scriptures, and one of the things that the Scriptures teach us is that it makes you wise. Now, not wise in the way of the world, but wise in the way of the things of God. And I think it helps you become a much better decision maker. I think it helps you with your relationships with your spouses, with your family, with your neighbors, uh, with your Lord himself. And I think it causes us to grow. And I, I just thought about it. You know, you think about when you first start a job. I remember one of the jobs that I got after I got out of the tobacco fields, I remember going to McDonald's after that. So I worked for McDonald's and and, and, you know, just trying to learn all the buttons and the uh, moving and all the things and what sauces go where and all that kind of stuff. It took a little while, but, but you know, you, you come in and you begin to learn it and you begin to master it uh, to the point where I, <laughs> of all things, not that I'm bragging about this, but I, I, when we would have our buy one, get one free Big Mac day, they would put me on the, on the burger grill because I was the fastest at flipping and turning and laying them on the thing. And I don't even know if they do that today. I think they put them in a little heater and they pull them out and just throw them on a bun now. Uh, back in the day when I did it, they made them fresh and you just laid them out. And I was able to pull three at a time off the grill and lay them down. So I knew how to lay 12 patties real fast. But after a while, I was the guy that was standing at the main grill doing all the stuff because I mastered what it is that I was asked to do. And so what I'm sharing with you is, is that the same is true in this. Consider the time that it takes to learn a position and all the different nuances of a job when you first start and after you've been there for a while and, and how you learn those things. You do not immediately know or understand all the aspects of the job, but eventually you learn them and then you, you I really believe you end up becoming very valuable to that company to the point where they're willing to pay you more or to keep you. But I want you to understand something. The same is true of our Savior that once he saves our soul, we're to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Because we've become a useful vessel for our Savior. And so if you want to be used of God, you need to grow in grace and in knowledge. You need to understand more about the truth of God's Word. And if you grow weary of your position, you know, you're at a job and you just choose not to fulfill your duties, guess what's happening after a while? 
That leads to discipline, and then discipline leads to you're gone. <laughs> and that's what happens sometimes, doesn't it? And, and here's the thing. If I get to the place where I just do not grow in grace or in my knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm of no use to God because I'm just sitting back allowing it to go to waste, and then he just kind of puts us off to the side. So think about this. Spiritual growth starts at salvation. That's the starting gate. And then you uh, realize that it doesn't end until we enter into the heavens uh, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And who knows? Maybe there'll be discipleship classes up there as well. Amen? And so I don't know what's going to take place, but growth spiritually requires something of us. It takes effort. And you have to put forth effort if you want to excel in your faith. And here's what I want to challenge you with this thought. Are you lazy in your faith? You know, a lazy and unused faith is a useless faith. And the Lord desires for all of us to continue to grow spiritually after salvation. And so the challenge for you is, are you growing in spiritual matters? Are you growing in spiritual matters whenever you look into the Scriptures? Now, I believe we have the responsibility to do so and to continue to increase our faith. And it comes by way of trial and trouble sometimes. But that's whenever God teaches us that we have to rely upon His Word. And I see people fall away from God often, and usually some trial, some trouble, some tribulation has entered into their life, and they use that as a means to pull away from God. And, and, and they don't really uh, take the Scriptures and apply them to their lives. They may know them, they may know about them, you may even be able to share it with them. I was just talking with someone today, and, and they, they shared with me, I have this problem, and and this is my problem, and I want to do this about it. And I said, well, let me tell you what the Scriptures say. And they said, I know the Bible says that, but here's my position on this. And I said, I understand your position, but let me share with you what the Scriptures teach. And they said, I, I realize that, but do you understand how humiliated I was over this? And I said, I understand that, but let me show you what the Bible says. And, I, you know, the more I would tell them about the Bible, the more upset they were getting with me because they did not want to hear what God actually had to say about resolving it for them. And so I committed today to kind of write up uh, how they felt about the thing, and then I would show them scripturally what they ought to do about the thing. And so you pray for me, because I'm going to present it to them tomorrow. And, and here it is. They're, they're angry. They're upset. They're mad. They feel like they've been humiliated. They want to not really, they said they don't want to get revenge, but it, when you hear them speak, they want revenge. And yet, the things that the Scriptures teach us, how many of you know the passage of Scripture that says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord? How many of you know that? How many of you know that the Bible says, do not return evil for evil, but return good for evil? Amen? And, and there are so many Scriptures that teach us to love our enemies and, and to do those things. And the more I was sharing that, the more upset they were getting and so I thought, well, before I get them to the place where they're now my enemy, I better be quiet and maybe we can revisit uh, this thing when they're calm. But here's the thing. We have a responsibility in our trials and in our trouble to have a reliance upon the Word of God. And that's what helps us grow, and it helps us to grow through situations as well. And so to continue maturing spiritually, we have to grow in our faith, and we have to, again, and I used this last week, endure in our faith. We have to endure in our faith. So, growing in faith. Look at what Paul says here. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth how? Exceedingly. Your faith groweth exceedingly. Something happened there at Thessalonica, 
And uh, Paul's addressing the fears that he had earlier about their faith in Thessalonica. And if you want to know what those problems were, you go back to 1 Thessalonians and look at chapter 3, verses 5 and 10. You can see what they are. But here he says they kind of disappeared in light of the fact that you are growing in your faith. You're learning more about truth. And so by so doing, uh, my fears have been uh, dispelled and the truth of God is now growing in you. And I see that growth in you. An individual is either growing in their faith or they're moving backwards. You grow stagnant. And, and, and I don't even believe you go backwards. You just grow stagnant. You just stop and, and doing nothing for the Lord or for His Word or for your spiritual growth or for your health. And I thought about how many circumstances can enter into our lives in a day's time. And here's the thing. Sometimes we just want to retreat. We want to quit. We want to stop. We want to give up. We want to move away from it. We want to say, man, I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. I'm exhausted with it. I don't feel like dealing with this anymore. Uh, I don't want to put up with it. Uh, I'm done with this. I'm done with that. And yet, there is nothing in the Scriptures that teaches us that at all. And, and what we ought to have is a faith of endurance. And so, uh, when we retreat, we can fall away into a trap of what I call sin and wickedness because how many of you realize that you talk to yourself too much sometimes? Maybe I'm the only one that does that. Am I the only one that does that? You begin talking to yourself, and then you get that stuff in your head, and then you're thinking that's reality. I'm it. Say amen if I'm the only one. Say amen if you're involved in it. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> and we start thinking stuff we ought not thinking. And yet God tells us to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought to the obedience of Christ. Now think about that for just a moment. And if you're bringing it into the obedience of Christ, you're going to stop that negative talk. I remember I had one preacher, he's over in the Philippines now, he used to call it stinking thinking. And you get that stinking thinking going on, and he said, do you ever remember that we're supposed to let go of that stinking thinking and get a hold of what the Bible says? And you go to Philippians chapter 4, and you look at verse 8. <laughs> whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, you know, you start thinking about those things, and it changes your thinking. And, and what happens is, is we get that going on inside of us. And so the answer is, not returning back to sin and wickedness in the world, the answer is, what does the Bible address that about? And what does the Bible teach me? about how I'm supposed to think and what I'm supposed to do as far as situations, trials and tribulations entering into my life. So to grow in faith, you must be steady on a diet of truth. And, you know, the Bible says in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is what? Truth. And so he tells us, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And to sanctify is to make holy. It's to purify. And, and, and there's nothing better than purification. It's clean. And, I, you know, I, I share this with you, not, not um, anything against Ohio. I just thought the water that I drank in Virginia tastes 10 times better than anything I've ever drank out here. And uh, not even their bottled water tastes good to me. So I'm not sure they're not getting it out of my septic or my well there, or one of the two. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that that water was so pure. It was always so cold because my well was so deep and it would come so far up out of the ground and there was no uh, iron or any of that stuff inside of it. And so my toilet stayed white in Virginia. If I bought a white toilet, it stayed white. Here they turn red and, uh, after a while. So I told her, I said, I'm just going to buy red toilets. You'll never know. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that there was something about a pure glass of water. There's nothing in it. When you would stir it up, you didn't see anything. I remember when we first got out here, we were over in New Bremen, and so we hadn't been on city water in a long time. And, and Connor took a glass of water, and he took a drink of it. He goes, Bleh! what is this? 
And I said, what? He goes, it tastes slimy. And, and so I remember sitting a glass of water on the table overnight, and when I got up in the morning, there was like this film over top of the water, and I thought, good gracious, what is that? And so it caused me to get on bottled water again, like a child. Uh, one thing I want to share with you is to purify. So what does God teach us about growing on our faith? He said in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's our life and our lifestyle. So he said, be holy in all of that. Now, here's the thing. He said, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. One of the things that a person that is growing in their faith desires is to draw closer to holiness. Not to uh, be disdained by it, not to push it away, but to want to draw closer to that purification process to clean you up or to clean you out. And I'm talking about spiritually, we're looking to be cleansed. And so spiritual growth will cause the believer to be drawn to the holiness of God and the purifying of their own lives through the Holy Word. Or here's what happens. You decide that I'm going to decline the truth. I'm going to back away from the truth. I'm going to resist the truth. And when you do that, you head for a downward spiral because you're walking away from God rather than drawing into what He's teaching us to do. So here we are challenged in the Scriptures to mature as believers. How many of you know 1 Peter 2.2 as newborn babes... Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, Stephanie, when you give that bottle to that baby, she can, she likes it, doesn't she? Man, she latches on that thing. She doesn't want to let go, does she? Man, until it's empty. That's what Peter's teaching us. We latch on to this, and we just don't want to let go. So he says, as newborn babes, to desire the sincere milk of the word. In other words, we latch on, and we don't want to let go. We want more of that. We desire it. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever had that kind of a desire in you for the Word of God, but that's what it teaches. And then over in Hebrews, this is not a contradiction, but I want you to listen to what it says in 12 through 14. It says, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, uh, <clears throat> which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now this is not contradictory. He's saying, now that you've grown up in your faith and you ought to be teachers, I've got to put you back on the bottle <laughs> because you're not getting it. And, and here's the thing. Uh, today, Mrs. Warnick brought uh, uh, a meal in for me to eat tonight, and when she brought it in, she had cooked it and set it before me, and there was some steak on the plate. I didn't say, I want a bottle. Give me, give me some milk. <laughs> you see... I desired to eat that meat, didn't I? And here's the thing. God's saying as we grow and mature, we ought to want the meat of the Word now, not just the milk of the Word. Now, it's not a contradiction to what Peter said because he's saying latch onto it like a baby would, desiring that milk. And so he goes on and he says this. He said, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Now listen, to discern both good and evil. And one of the things that will help you is knowing what God's Word teaches will help you in how you walk in this life. On a, on a daily basis, you're going to run into things. So, no contradiction there. But what an effort we must put forth to continually mature in our faith. Being saved for some duration of time. Listen, that doesn't constitute spiritual growth. Just because you've been saved for a long time that doesn't mean you're spiritually grown. 
I know people that grow zero in their Christian life. They've been saved for years and years and years and know less now than they did then. And it's not age that did it. It's no desire for the sincere milk of the Word. And, and there's no desire to have the meat of the Word. So Paul, he commends the church here and the church family. He said, your faith growth exceedingly to increase above ordinary degrees, the idea. He noticed a change in these folks. And so what was that change? <laughs> the change was is they got it. They started to figure it out that, you know what, the more we know about God and His Word, the more it helps us. And then this growth produced something in them. I want you to notice what it produced. Look at what it says. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And notice this. And the charity of every one of you uh, all toward each other aboundeth. Something happened. As they grew spiritually, something happened to these people. As their faith grew, something changed them. And so what is that change that entered in? This produced a love for the brethren, one toward another. And notice Paul stated it aboundeth, so it increased abundantly one toward another. And so what happens is, is as you increase your faith or you grow in faith, your faith causes you to grow in your love and your care for the brethren. And so God sees this in these people. Paul then communicates this message to them as he comes back to them and says, look at what has happened to you folks. And so a spiritually mature uh, person uh, and, and people, it creates an environment of love one toward another, and that love grows, and that spiritual maturity helps other people grow as well. And so they see the love you have for them. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I believe Paul said, you know, when I'm trying to reach somebody with the gospel, we want to win them to Christ, but don't lay down so uh, set of laws on top of them when they just got saved and they don't know anything about the Word of God. And sometimes we want to use the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the Word. And sometimes we destroy new Christians because they just got saved and they don't know as much about the Scriptures as you do. And so one of the things you want to do is you want to love the brethren. You want to teach them. You want them to grow just like you've grown. And so you put forth effort to know truth and then to apply that truth in the time of need. And I believe for faith to grow exceedingly, it requires effort. And I mentioned this to you already. 2 Peter 3.18, he said, But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I believe the effort put forth is to know the Word, and then it teaches us to make application in life. And that's what you have to do with God's Word. It is so practical. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep hearing that, uh, you know, this book isn't culturally relevant. It's the most relevant book I've ever read in my life. <laughs> And it is culturally relevant. It's clear today. The things that it's teaching occurred then is occurring now. By the way, human nature hasn't changed, has it? It is what it is. And so God knew the human nature. of He knew the nature of man. And so he knows us. And so he's able to describe us. And the reason that it's not culturally relevant is because they don't want it to be. They don't want it to be what it is. And so I share with you that we must continue to preach the truth of the gospel. So to maintain spiritual growth, you must overcome hardships by the truth of the word of God. Look at verses 4 and 5. So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Now watch this. Verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer endure in faith. So, you know, I shared with you, we just recently preached a message on this, but Paul addresses the members here at this church at Thessalonica, 
commending them on their enduring faith through hardships, and he commends them in two areas. He said, you showed patience, patience in tribulation. You showed patience in tribulation. And, and, and he gives them this idea that showing that patience in these persecutions and tribulations, that is faith that is enduring, that is faith that is growing. And if you do not endure during these times, what's happening is, is you need to learn how to grow in your faith. And so how does that occur? By knowing truth. And then he gave him a second one. He said, in maintaining faith in persecutions and tribulation. You don't lose your faith in those times. You increase your faith in those times. When, when things are wrong, it's not a time to run. It's a time to grow. It's a time to seek your Lord and to see what it is that he would have you to do about your circumstances or whatever you might be facing. And I believe to grow spiritually, you are going to endure hardships. And I believe how we handle those is a test of our faith, but it's also that God can allow us to go through something, and it's not necessarily even about us. It's so that maybe somewhere down the line, someone else comes along and maybe has the same situation, the same trial, the same tribulation that you had, and you have grown in your faith, and you stayed steady in your faith, and you're now able to help this other person because you were able to endure during that time. And what happens is, is that we don't even know what tests are coming down the line. And, and so what God says is that's why you need to grow in grace and in knowledge. That's why you need to grow in your faith. That's why you need to know what the Scriptures teach so that you're able to endure when those hardships, when those persecutions, when those tribulations, when those trials arise, that's what keeps you strong in your faith. And so you need to know the truth of the Word of God. So this patience, <laughs> I looked at this and I thought, man, this is just not me. Cheerful, hopeful. <laughs> and it's a cheerful, hopeful endurance while waiting. I don't think that even exists in my bones sometimes because I'm like, man. And uh, how many of you get frustrated having to be patient at certain things, you know? And you, it grows thin, doesn't it? But yet, yeah, <laughs> it grows thin. And, and, and you, get, you get worn out by it, and you say to yourself, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that way. And so the only way to overcome that is casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's no other way to overcome that. And so if you have a problem with patience, then, then you understand that you need Christ to help you in that moment. Because he said this patience is supposed to be a cheerful endurance while waiting. I don't know about you, but that's tough sometimes. And yet that's the idea behind it. And then this endurance is to hold oneself up against or to put up with. Now that's where I'm at tonight. I'm tired of putting up with this. And, you know, and so you put up with it or you suffer through it. And he says you do that, you endure through that, and you do it with a cheerful, hopeful endurance while waiting. Waiting on what? And so you say, well, I, I, I've got to turn to God in this time of waiting. And I don't know how long it's going to take. Now for Paul, as a mentor to many, this was a joyful and a glorious indication of the growth they had achieved in God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Over in 1 Thessalonians, this is where he's discussing why he's now telling them they have this uh, faith that's growing exceedingly. Over in 1 Thessalonians, he makes this comment in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. He said, For what is our hope 
or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And he says this about him, for ye are our glory and joy. And here's the thing. All that we go through here, the Bible says over in Corinthians, it's but a light affliction. <laughs> Everything that we endure here, it's but a light affliction. And so we should realize that really our home is in the presence of Christ. And by the way, you're always in the presence of Christ. How many of you realize that? You're not out of his presence at any time. You're in his presence. And so there ought to be some joy in us. There ought to be that hopeful joy. And endurance and suffering proves that God's judgment of them was right and now shows their fitness for the kingdom. A faith that endures is a faith, I believe, that continually begins to mature. It's, it's not something that grows stagnant. It's not something that grows cold. It's not something that grows old. It's something that continues to grow and, and that it, you don't turn away, uh, but you turn to truth and righteousness to lead you in those difficult circumstances. I believe also an enduring faith shows the trust that we have in our Savior. And it's not only for our salvation, but it's in our tribulation. It's in those times of, of trouble that we become overcomers. We're able to deal with this based upon truth and based upon God's Word. And God's Word helps us endure at that time. And so, you know, I have no idea what any of you might be facing or what you faced this week or what you're going to face here in the future. But I do believe we can overcome it by the power that worketh in us. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit can teach you the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is there to remind us of what God said. And regardless of what we might be going through, God's there in us. And I thought about this. Uh, Brother Godfrey brought this verse out while he was here. He said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, according to the power that worketh in us. <laughs> God gave us himself. And we have an enduring faith if we'll just have our faith and trust in Him. And I believe it's a faith that grows in trials and tribulations. And when those trials and tribulations come, they should cause us to mature, not to retreat, not to turn away from God and His righteousness and His true holiness. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness and grace. Lord.